What if you could further gender equality and your financial goals? Well, Index IQ now offers a Gender Equality Exchange Traded Fund, or ETF, that looks to do both. Created in alignment with the nonprofit Girls Who Code, the IQ and Gender Equality ETF, ticker EQUL or Equal, seeks to benefit both your portfolio's potential and our world. It's part of IQ Dual Impact ETFs and their mission to do more. Make an impact. Visit eqletf.com. Refer to the episode show notes for important information about the fund and read the prospectus carefully before investing. Hello. From Wonder Media Network, I'm Jenny Kaplan, and this is Womanica. Today we're talking about a woman who dedicated her life to helping her people and attempted to bridge divides between cultures. She worked tirelessly to fight for quality care and good health in her community. Let's meet Susan Lafleche-Picot. Susan Lafleche was born in June 1865 in the Omaha Indian Territory that's now Northeast Nebraska. She was the youngest of four daughters. Susan's father, Joseph Lafleche, was the chief of her tribe. He was appointed to the role after the previous chief, Big Elk, saw the influx of white settlers and the rise of their culture, and decided his people would have to adapt. He chose Joseph, a man of both French and Indian ancestry, to succeed him. Joseph passed the values of cultural knowledge and diversity to his tribe and his daughters. But balancing the preservation of Omaha culture with societal assimilation was not easy. The Omaha split into factions. The Young Men's Party was open to adopting some white customs, while the Chief's Party refused. The Young Men's Party built log cabins, roads, and plots of farming land. The Chief's Party adhered to tradition. The Chief's Party mocked the others for mimicking the white people. Susan grew up in one of the log cabins, appreciating all too well how difficult it would be to balance staying true to her heritage and adapt to changing times. At 14 years old, she traveled to New Jersey and attended the Elizabeth Institute for Young Ladies. Then in 1884, she went to the Hampton Normal and Agricultural Institute in Virginia, now known as Hampton University. There, Susan learned alongside other indigenous people, as well as black people, She graduated second in her class. Susan took her mission of cultural literacy very seriously. She spoke four languages, Omaha, English, French, and the Oto language. She was very familiar with scripture, Shakespeare, the art of Europe, and the customs of the Omaha people. She practiced painting, playing the piano, cooking, sewing, and even handling horses. But Susan had one final pursuit in mind. She wanted to become a doctor. Susan vividly remembered an experience from childhood. When she was just eight years old, she sat by the bedside of an older woman who was in great pain. Her family had called for a white doctor multiple times, but he never arrived. The old woman died by morning. Susan felt that white doctors simply did not care about the lives of Native Americans. So in 1866, Susan traveled to Philadelphia to attend the Women's Medical College of Pennsylvania. 
It was the first medical school in the U.S. created for women. After three years of schooling, Susan graduated at the top of her class in 1889. Still, Susan would face an uphill battle. Society already considered women doctors unfit, and Susan was the very first Native American doctor, too. She couldn't vote because of her gender, and she wasn't a U.S. citizen because of her status as a Native American. Nevertheless, she was determined to help her people. Susan went back to the reservation where she grew up to work as a physician for the Omaha Agency. She treated patients sick with diseases like tuberculosis and cholera, and she also acted as a legal consultant, accountant, priest, and cultural liaison. The white doctor who helped Susan at the agency quit, leaving Susan the only doctor to serve the entire reservation. It was 1,200 patients spread over 1,350 square miles. For 16 years, Susan did everything it took to help her people as their doctor. She traveled for hours by horse in any weather condition to reach a single patient if she had to. But the cultural conflict from her childhood continued to return. Some patients refused to believe a diagnosis based in non-traditional medicine. Susan continued to advocate for sometimes unpopular health measures, including banning alcohol, which she saw as a rampant problem in her community. In 1894, Susan married Henry Picot, a Yankton Sioux who performed in Wild West shows. Together, they had two boys, who Henry would look after while Susan went on long journeys to treat her patients. Henry died young in 1905 after battling tuberculosis made worse from alcoholism. After her husband's death, Susan and her family moved to Walt Hill, Nebraska. There, Susan continued working hard for her people, even as she fought serious pain caused by what would turn out later to be terminal bone cancer. In 1913, she achieved her longtime dream. She opened a hospital on the reservation. Susan raised more than $9,000 to build it, and it became the first private hospital on any Native American land. Susan LaFleche Picot died in 1915 in her home in Walt Hill, Nebraska. She was 50 years old. Long after her death, a movement arose to restore the hospital Susan fought so hard to build and turn it into a community center and wellness clinic. The restoration began in September 2020, carrying on Susan's legacy and memory for generations to come. All month, we're honoring the legacies of Indigenous women. For more information, check out our Facebook and Instagram at Womanica Podcast. Special thanks to Liz Kaplan, my favorite sister and co-creator. Talk to you on Monday. <laughs>